0: Hi, friends! Join us as we dive into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We are your hosts, Leah, Sarah, Tabby, and whether you're a new viewer or a longtime fan, welcome to Becoming Buffy.
1: Hi, guys. Welcome back to Becoming Buffy. Today, we are talking about season five, episode four, Out of My Mind. All right, guys. I feel like this is our first season five kind of Riley-centric episode. and I don't know. I've mixed feelings about this episode. How do you guys feel about it?
2: This is the best one of his um – I guess centric episodes because it's not all about him. It's like the out of my mind title is tied into like everything in this episode. Yeah. And I feel like this episode in my brain is the last one setting up stuff. The next episode is when it really kickstarts everything. Mm
0: -hmm. So I'm
2: excited to kind of get through this one. Um, It was enjoyable episode, don't get me wrong, but like I feel like for season five in my brain, I'm like, okay, as soon as we get past the first four, it's like, all right, next episode is what really season five is like going to start to be like.
1: I agree. This season is crazy so far because I I saw someone on – I think it was like Reddit that was talking about this season and – I think more than almost any other season of the show that we've seen so far, season five is very serialized more so than like how episodic. I mean, season four was somewhat serialized and so was season three and season two is when it really started happening. But there were a lot of standalone episodes in those that uh, you could kind of watch for for itself. Season five, it's I think that's partly why it's one of my favorite seasons. Everything is so intertwined. Everything means something. Every character, if they're going through something, it reflects back to Buffy. Like, and And someone else described it as it's almost like season five is one big long movie because of how intertwined everything is. And I think that's a really good way of describing it. And so... All of these episodes, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but pretty much every episode has ended with a cliffhanger, like a massive cliffhanger, one that changes the trajectory of a character or an entire arc. Um, and so it makes it very interesting to talk about, but it's also really hard because everything's connected and they're setting up for some big stuff. There's so much foreshadowing and there's so many there's so much buildup of so many big things that are have yet to happen that it almost feels like a part one in a lot of ways because there's a lot that I can't talk about fully until we get to the second part. So it's slightly frustrating, but
2: you know what our biggest um issue was with Riley's i I just this came to me right now in this moment. Um with all of Riley's centric episodes slash the entire season four, um I feel like we kept talking about how the same part of Riley was talked about like for half the season. Like every time there was a centric episode with Riley and it, it was like nothing else was said about him. And you know what? This episode, it was like, yes, there was like similar themes to how he'd been feeling, but there's like a whole other layer to not just like the initiative side. It's like him and his relation to his to Buffy. Like his relationship with Buffy and how that like ties in with him being like, I won't be enough for her. Like even when he's like uh punching the wall and like um I don't know, I guess just like being like, I like I would rather be this like superhuman version of myself. Um, She's like really like trying to like explain to him and being like, oh, like, like, you know, like no one's ever known me as much as you do. And like, he's like, basically like, this is like the lowest he's been. And she still doesn't say I love you in that moment. So mm-hmm. I really feel like this episode gives me a lot more about Riley's psyche and how he's been feeling a lot more so than half of season four so i appreciate what they did in this episode with him
0: personally i'm just kind of sick of having (laughs) riley on my screen i just (laughs) i just feel like this this episode is not bad it just comes so soon after a whole season centered around riley where i'm Mm -hmm. like i don't really care i'd i'd like to focus on the characters that didn't get a lot of screen time in season four like that xander centric episode i felt like was deserved because we didn't see a lot of him in season 4. We barely seen Giles, even like Willow and Tara, i feel we barely, like we barely we yeah. barely have seen them. Like i just feel like Riley at this point i'm like i'm just kind of sick of seeing him on my screen and i don't mean that because i don't cuz i I'm not the biggest fan of Riley. I just mean that because we've just had so much of it recently. I want someone else. Like, I want to actually – especially the characters that have been here since season one. Like, can I see more of them, please?
1: Yeah. No, I, I, I kind of agree. I, I was like, oh, man. Like, the initiative's kind of back in this episode. Like, but I understand they need to wrap things up and they – like <sighs> – I don't think this is spoilers to say the writing's kind of on the wall for Riley and Buffy, like the way this ends, especially. And so I- think, the initiative arc too. Yes. I get the sense that they're trying to end all of that. Um, and so I'm like, okay, cool. But I also did forget how much Riley was in the first like portion of season five, like how much they're talking about him. I was kind of like, oh, okay. But it's okay. We have good stuff coming up. So let's talk about this episode. There's actually some interesting stuff that I want to point back to um, with Riley and Buffy and some interesting things that I discovered about him too. So, all right, with that being said, let's jump in. So, Out of My Mind, written by Rebecca Rand Kirshner. This is her first episode writing for the show, I believe. Her writing credits include Freaks and Geeks and Gilmore Girls. No way. Yeah. She was the executive producer and showrunner of 90210 for the second and third season, and apparently she saved it from ending. She is the daughter of astrophysicist Professor Robert Kirshner, the great granddaughter of Olympic hurdler William Rand, and the descendant of Rebecca Nurse, who was executed as a witch in Salem in 1692. Isn't that kind of crazy? Like, imagine having that pedigree. Like, I'd be walking around, be like, "Yeah, my great great grandmother was a witch." Like, that's kind of cool. Uh, The episode was directed by David Grossman and it aired October 17th, 2000. All right. So out of my mind, Tabby kind of already hinted at this. uh, It means having lost control of one's mental faculties, So if like you're mad or you're crazy, or it could also mean suffering from a particular condition to a very high degree. So we have Riley realizing that he and Buffy have an expiration date and it's driving him crazy as well as his fear of trusting the government again. Joyce has that moment in the kitchen where she passes out, but then not before asking Don who she is. Spike is trying to get the chip out of his mind, but he also realizes he's in love with Buffy. So it's like Everybody's kind of like struggling with something that has to do with their mind in this episode, whether that's like physical or otherwise. Um, And again, this, this season is about the duality of self. Out of My Mind references acting in a way that is different from the norm. And I think it's not a coincidence that we also see Buffy at the height of her both her personal and slang lives. Like that reflects this duality. Like we see Buffy doing amazing in school. She has a healthy family life. She has her boyfriend. She's doing amazing with slang. Like she's to the point now where she can sense a vampire is rising before they're even out of the grave and stake them. Like that is incredibly honed behavior right there. And so I think for the first time that we've seen her on the show, she seems to actually have a handle on both sides of her life, at least right now, Um, which is really hard because you're like, oh, great. If they're starting off the season like this, this this can't be good. Um, It's also interesting that the first time Riley tells Buffy he loved her, like back in the Yoko Factor, the exact words he used were... I'm so in love with you, I can't think straight. And again, it kind of feels like this relationship was doomed from the start. And what this episode is trying to tell us is that Riley has lost himself and his identity in Buffy with him inserting himself in her slang, in the graveyard, in the magic box, and that he needs a purpose in his life apart from her. Um, And so it kind of feels like in a way... Like we, I think we talked about this last episode. It feels like this might be Riley's first time ever being in love. And so there's this idea of like losing yourself and being so infatuated um, that he isn't sure who he is. And that kind of coming alongside of him getting out of the initiative and also not sure who he is apart from Maggie Walsh's programming makes for like a, a character that's kind of lost right now. Um, The other interesting thing is that, again, we have the parallels between Spike and Riley. Spike is discovering that he's lusting after Buffy, but he, too, has been consumed with her for a while now, to the point where he is also losing his identity. She's all he thinks about. And I talked about the comparisons between Riley and Spike back in season four, and it's really interesting to see them kind of continuing that in this season. Um, So it's going to be exciting to talk about. Speaking
2: of Leah being um, over... Having Riley on her screen. I think that Buffy feels that same sentiment in this opening scene.
1: Dude, the script is really cool. It says- What does it say? It says, The silent moonlit graveyard all seems as it should, the dead underground and the living elsewhere. But there atop a crypt, the shadow of a creature, something lies in Wait. Moonlight illuminates the creature. It's Buffy, perched like a jungle cat. There's that cat again, waiting for her prey. She cocks her head, sensing something. She stands her large, rough-hewn stake in hand and then leaps from the crypt, hitting the ground and rolling deftly to her feet. Her instincts lead her forward, stalking, then running on the hunt. Then Buffy stops abruptly. She's in a new area of the graveyard. There are some empty graves waiting for coffins and some recently filled. Sensing something, she raises her stake and thrusts it towards a fresh plot. At nothing, but just before her stake hits Earth, two vampire arms break through. Poof, her stake penetrates his chest and he is dusted before he could ever emerge. That is some pretty impressive skill right there.
0: I love seeing how we're I feel like we're kind of seeing Buffy's skills improve. Like mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. showing the fruition of her training with Giles. Like she's kind of honing our craft a lot more.
1: Yeah.
2: I always kind of crave more of these like graveyard scenes that have multiple vamps coming. Sometimes I'm always like, oh, if it's just like one vamp, like it's like, okay. But like kind of like Leah said, like I want to see Buffy in her element where like we're really showing off her skills and her multitasking. Like she was really like in a groove. Like she did not need help at all. And like Riley pops up, stakes a vamp, and then Spike shows up and she's (laughs) like,
1: why do I even come here? Why do I even show up? Yeah, I was I was frustrated for her. She was like in the zone and both these guys just coming in and I mean it's a version of
2: mansplaining but it's like with her own job. They're like let me take care of it for you. She was really irritated with Riley this episode. <laughs> it
1: was kind of obvious.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end has this whole speech like, you know, I'm I'm going to give you all the word affirmation without saying the L word. Um, but I'm still annoyed with you. I'm like, babes, the writing's on the wall. Like, try to stop trying to convince
1: yourself. The best line was like, if he wants attention, that he better be here for it or something like that, uh-huh. like what she was saying to Xander. Um, the parallels between Spike and Riley. So, uh, Passion the Nerd said something really interesting. He said, Spike also shares some literal and metaphorical connections to Riley. In season four, they were both fitted with behavior modification chips. Riley's chip was near his heart spikes is in his head riley loves buffy and his heart is now breaking spike's head is consumed with thoughts about her and those thoughts have been revealed as lust both men would probably be better off if they left sunnydale and yet both have made buffy the center of their lives and i thought that was a really interesting interesting. it's true they both probably would be better they would find themselves if they were not there in buffy's shadow and that's not to blame her that's to blame them so the boys are like oh don't worry about it we're gonna fight
2: yada 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 and then she kind of like rolls her eyes at the fact that riley was like let's keep patrolling like let's go kick some other vampire butt and then spike's like oh i saw that <laughs> <It's like laughs> messing with them and then starts tasting his nose blood and then she's oh like oh gosh <laughs> she's like i'm not listening to you after i've just seen you taste your own blood he's like what as if i'm not gonna do that
1: it's blood. It's what I do. They kind of went out of their way. And this is where I I enjoy Spike the most is when he is the butt of the joke. Yeah, He is sure. absolutely disgusting and ridiculous and pathetic in this episode. But the fact that he's in love with her and she can't give him the time of day is just my favorite thing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, and so both Buffy and Riley leave and then Spike gives like a classic villain speech that he's been doing for like a whole entire season yet not actually trying to kill her walks two steps, and then falls into an open grave. Then we have our title sequence.
1: Dude, I audibly laughed.
0: Every single (laughs) time I watch
1: this episode, I forget about that part. I guess you could say he fell for her in that moment. Mm? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Very nice, Sarah. Very nice. (laughs) Okay, guys. I know we've talked about this a bajillion times, but I cannot get over the fact the script seems to cut out every single instance of physical interaction or like extra instance of physical interaction between Buffy and Riley. There literally is this moment where they're talking at the very end Another of the one? scene. Yes, it happens like three times in the script, and they really just want to boot Riley out so bad. Yes, like when he was like, "Hey, hope I didn't get in the way. I'm not much for bench warming, yada yada." And she's like, "Oh, I don't like you patrolling by yourself," which is a callback to Doomed. There's actually a lot of callbacks to Doomed to Doomed in this episode. Doomed is the beginning of their relationship, technically. Originally, Buffy didn't want to be with Riley because she was afraid of him getting killed and he wanted to be with her because he liked the excitement of it all. Um, So Buffy says, no, no, you made the squad. You tossed that vamp like he was a teeny tiny vamp and then she was supposed to kiss him right here. And then he says, you want to go again? And then they head out. But there's, there's a couple other instances in the script and I'm like, why, why in the world do they keep cutting this out?
0: <laughs> I honestly just feel like They feel like there's other things that they want to focus on more. And so, unfortunately, like, Buffy and Riley keep getting the short end of the stick. They probably got so much backlash from season four that they're trying to cut back on Riley. Well, I was about to say, I was like, where was this energy in season four?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, where is this energy last episode when they went to Xander's uh, potential apartment that he was trying to buy to go make out? Like, come on, you guys. (laughs) Yeah. Whiplash
2: with their... I don't know, relationship is just giving me a headache. They're PDA. Yeah. Um. Oh, my gosh. And then we have this, like, conversation with Willow and Buffy. I just – I soaked this up. Every interaction they had this episode, we have them in the school lounge and they're arguing over a history lesson Um. and, like – Just, like, the connection between them two. But I also kind of read the fact that, like, Buffy says that she's been really trying hard to, like, study and everything. Um, To me, I feel like she's kind of pouring her energies into, like, anything other than, like, Riley. I was like, when have we ever talked about her like really studying and knowing like school in her like college well, or even I mean, high B- school? They've career. also
0: kind of been showing the fact that this is the first time that Buffy enjoys learning because it's about something she actually cares about. A lot of times she didn't care about school because she was like, "Why?" I mean, we saw her actually enjoy learning in her psychology class. I think Buffy just kind of strikes me as the type of person who doesn't enjoy school unless it's something she cares about, um, which is honestly relatable. But I also feel like in general, it's like Buffy has learned a lot about the Slayer stuff and I think is wanting to show that
1: to people. I think the whole purpose of this is to show that Buffy's in the top of her game in all areas of her life. Like she's doing really, really well and she's enjoying it. And I think we never really got to see Buffy enjoy school and high school because there was such a Uh, difference in her, like an imbalance in her slang and her normal life. And I think they're trying to show that everything is kind of like evening out right now Um, because she is so good at her slang job. It frees her up more for time to be able to do stuff when she's studying. Um, Okay. Also this, I'm not going to go into it too much because I don't really care, but This whole conversation she's having with Willow about Jean-Paul Marat, he was a French political theorist, physician, and scientist, a journalist, and politician during the French Revolution. He was killed by Charlotte Corday when she stabbed him in the heart. So they're saying that Jean-Paul is Riley, an anarchist, and Charlotte is Buffy breaking his heart. So that's what they're kind of saying here. Nice.
2: It, this is the version of uh, in the high school seasons where the teacher would write on the board and talk about the exact
1: theme we're going to find out in the episode. Right. <laughs> Literally everything has meaning and purpose. Yeah. There is no conversation that is frivolous. Yeah. Anytime they're talking about some person. So in a school setting. I'm or like, okay, Isles. what yep. are they actually saying here? <laughs> the teacher writes, writes death on
2: the, the board. We're like, well, I wonder what this series is about. <laughs> I wonder what this episode is going to be talking about. Yeah. Um, so in the magic shop we see that Giles is kind of getting everything together to run the shop. He has Xander helping him build stuff. He's a carpenter now, and then we have Anya I don't know why I almost said Anya. That was so weird. I don't know my weird. brain was anyway. Um Anya and Tara are organizing and then Willow and Buffy come in. Um and then he shows her his like training room, which is all
1: decked out. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, Jaws being impressed with Xander, like what is going on? <laughs> what Xander, episode of a Xander-centric episode of him being an adult and all of a sudden he just has everything figured out. I Well, apparently Xander's got a newfound confidence. There was a whole uh, section of the script that was cut out where they talked about how Harrison Ford used to be a carpenter and how Jesus was a carpenter as well. And so uh,
0: nice. therefore
1: Xander should be proud of being a carpenter. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway- The interesting thing is, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but I think this kind of goes to what you were saying, Leah. This is the first Tara and Willow uh, scene we've had since that one scene we had of them unpacking stuff. I think it it was in Buffy versus Dracula. No, it was um, the real me. It was that one scene between the two of them. This is only the second scene we've had of them. I think we've had Willow interacting with people briefly, but like Willow by herself with just Tara. It just made me realize how little we have had of Willow and of Tara. Um, And I think that's a crying shame. I hope we're getting a Willow-centered episode soon. Also, when Tara tells Willow that it would be cool to have a real psychic doing readings at the magic box, she's holding that stack of tarot cards. The card displayed to the audience is the tower, which stands for a radical shakeup of the Quarance Foundation, usually a living situation, a romance, or a career. Given the outcome of this episode it's a, it, and its effects on Buffy and Riley's relationship in the long run, it's a fitting omen. So literally everything means something in this in this series. I know.
2: it sometimes it's overstimulating because I'm like, oh, I give up. Like, there's just so much that I have to, like, read into. And I love shows like that. It makes me, like, I don't know, kind of pay attention and have meaning with everything. But then sometimes when I have a podcast on episodes mm-hmm. like this, I'm like, oh, I give up. <laughs> I'm sure they all know. <laughs>
1: it's okay. That's why I'm here for this. Yeah, exactly. Okay. How annoying was Riley in this scene? <laughs> From zero to ten. He, give like, me knocks her over
2: immediately in the training room. I'd be like, oh,
0: my gosh. And she, always she's always annoyed. She's like, hello? There is no rating. <laughs> I just, like, I can't. Like, I just can't. Like, I just feel like, oh, he just is so, like, sometimes I just want to be like, Riley, back off of Buffy. Like, I just feel like he's always on her. Whether it's, like, in a, like, physical way or just like in general where it's just like
1: he just never lets her rest like- yeah and it's especially heightened this episode for a reason but it was really irritating and Buffy was like Sarah Michelle Gellar did not hold back with the irritant that she felt about him like she was <laughs> like what got into it and then she's like oh look at this place and he was like think you can take me and she completely ignores him and walks off I was like as she should <laughs> I'd be annoyed
2: And then he's like, he's like, you wanna, you wanna, uh, you know, fight each other? And she's like, it
1: completely ignores him. He reminds me of like that like junior high guy that like is really irritating in you know class, and then it's like, hey, hey, dude, you want to see this? You want to see this? Teacher, teacher, teacher! And you're just like, oh my gosh, leave me alone.
0: Or the high schooler that never learns that like the way to flirt isn't to like be rude. Yeah,
1: no, you (laughs) compliment. (laughs) yeah or he thinks being annoying is still like it's like playground crush action it's like no we are adults now actually look me in the eye and talk to me and like yeah stopping twitchy he he strikes me
2: as like a boy in high school or junior high he would like pull the girl's hair in order to like flirt with them
1: yeah yeah no he he's just jittery and he's annoying anyway okay but Xander and Giles were incredibly sweet to have contributed and made this room. Yeah. I, I love this moment. Honestly, I'm I feel like this is one it. of
0: the best additions to season five yes. is, A, giving them their own room with the magic store, but also just, like, Buffy having her own training room makes so much logical sense. She's getting older now. She can't just, like, train anywhere, but having her own space is so – I love that step. I think that's so – smart and such a logical way to take it
1: also like the imagery of this being giles's magic shop with the space for her in the back is really interesting because this shows that giles is staying like obviously we've known he's staying but like the division of the two parts of his job the one is the watcher and the one is the magic shop owner i think it also shows a little bit of growth in giles's life that he's making space in his real life in his regular life for buffy but he's also not allowing buffy's like, his watcher duties and Buffy's slang to take over his entire identity and his life. I agree. You know? Which is important because then there's Riley who feels incredibly out of place and is allowing Buffy to become his entire personality.
2: I just – whoever pitched the idea of, like, the main place for everyone meeting to be the magic shop needs a raise. Like, it, it fits so perfectly. Why haven't we done this in season four? Like, it's a perfect spot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's also just incredibly, like, relevant for them as the Scooby gang. There's another section that was cut out of this scene where after Buffy talks about how, you know, they're like her fairy godmother, Santa Claus, Q, all that stuff. And then she says, I'm going to go get changed. She was supposed to have deftly leg swept, Riley knocking him to the floor, kind of like as a, hey, I heard you before and now we're going to kind of, like, you know, play fight. But we don't have that. So it just makes it look like she's ignoring him completely. She's just
2: straight and annoyed and ignoring him. Not even like that little small – And you know it's funny too? That probably would have taken
1: five seconds to keep in the yeah. episode. And they were like, nah. Got to save that more would've... room for the Spike and Buffy makeout at the end of the scene or at that, the end of the that episode. That was so like passions coded. <laughs> Spike's been watching way too much soap opera. <laughs> for real. That's how his
2: dreams are. Well, it's because like oh, – like, like even – I mean, it's just funny because, like, in this next scene in the crypt, he's like watching Passions, obviously, because we know we, that he loves it. But it's just funny that, like, we see him watching it, and then he has like a dream in the style of Passions. It's like Chef's Kiss.
1: He's actually not watching Passions. He's watching oh, really? Dawson's Dawson's Creek, and he—that's why oh, he, did says- he see
2: "Pacey." Oh, yes. Got mm-hmm. it. Got it. Got it. I heard another name.
1: I haven't seen uh, Dawson's Creek, but I do know that there's- I know the a, character a, a, names. Yeah. Yes. I yeah, know yeah. there's either a love triangle or there's something, but there's one she character- She dates both of them. Yes. And she very clearly loves the other one and not Pacey. And so Spike being like, hey, you idiot, can't you see she doesn't love you? Is it Omen right. for and foreshadows Spike's revelation at the very end. Right. Um. Yeah. The whole, uh, you're loves bitch thing. He's being an idiot, fool for love. You could say that Harmony is out of her mind for going back to Spike, lol. But like on on a sadder note, the last time we saw her, she was asserting her identity. Remember how much we all loved that in the yeah. real me and, then and she's all this back stuff. After her like not really knowing her place, yeah, she's losing herself in him again, and I just find yeah. that really sad. Um, she comes in,
2: she's like, "Have you not heard? I'm like totally her arch nemesis or whatever." <laughs> and then he's just like not listening to her. At all. He's like looking at her like a piece of meat. Yeah. Um, and she's like, I'll do anything, even anything sexually, and then uh, starts smoking. She's like, yeah, like, of course, like, I'm such a bad, like, I'm a bad guy, like, I'm a villain, and then starts coughing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, you are. Yeah, the script is gross. Like, he it says he's like, his eyes are on her heaving chest, and he's like, leering at her. Yeah, they really go up, up to make uh, Spike kind of creepy this episode. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean he did buy a ball a ball hello a doll the last episode.
1: Oh that's so. true. <laughs> not the worst thing he said surprising. I guess.
2: surprising. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so of course they plan to kill Buffy yada 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 um and then we see in Riley's room um <laughs> he's like oh this let's have been cut out immediately afterwards and i would have been okay well they add this to kind of show that he's like his adrenaline is going and his like heart race and like all that sort of stuff he's not joe normal but it's like get you not have like the sweet sentimental parts of your relationship taken out i don't know
1: yeah the script says that Buffy was supposed to turn on her side to face Riley, and in the episode she turns around and gives, gives him her back oh my gosh they Again. Really just <laughs> yeah. I well, can't. and. Passion of the Nerd described this scene as Riley acting like a coked out chihuahua. <laughs> they said that? No, they did not. Passion of the nerd, not the script. Oh, oh. But could you imagine Mark Lucas reading, like, okay, choke, coked out chihuahua, it is. It's like say no more. <laughs> and the bed is supposed to be at an odd angle, moved away from the the wall. And it is in the in the scene to kind of show that like it actually was like super passionate and like they really were going at it. And so they should be done, but. Riley's over here wanting more
2: You know what has also told me That they don't care about Riley at all Is the fact that we have no idea How he got into this apartment Because he was living in the frat house And then all of a sudden Now he has like a whole ass apartment And that would have been like Such like a stress I feel like That would have been like a side plot You could have had Being like oh I'm kicked out Of my living situation Like I don't live on campus So like I literally have to find Somewhere to live Otherwise I'm homeless And they didn't even show that,
1: you know? Well, remember in Buffy versus Dracula, there was that scene that was cut out where he was literally packing. And that's when we find out that he did not get accepted to go to get his master's degree or something like that. (laughs) 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 Leah's like, I am checked out until we start talking about other stuff. Um, But yeah, so they were supposed to show them like packing up and all that stuff, but they didn't. So, yeah. Um, and then in the kitchen, we have Dawn
2: pouring out all the cereal into separate little bowls until she can get the toy at the bottom. That's so relatable.
0: I don't know why on earth they used to do that. It was fun. Did you never do that, Leah? No, I never I never would get it. I either would have to cheat and reach inside or I would just never get it because someone would get it before me.
1: Oh, that's, that's the real reason right there. <laughs> well, I mean, did you – I don't know why Dawn didn't think to like open the bottom of the box and then just grab it from the bottom. But I don't know.
2: That's true, I guess. I mean, I I prefer her method because people stick in their hands and it would be so disgusting.
1: But if it's like – it's usually just resting right on the top if you flip it over. But anyway, this scene was endearing. I thought it was so cute. The, The way they wrote Dawn in this scene. I mean, I feel like the stethoscope thing is a little weird for a 14 year old to be trying to like doing that. But the way that Michelle Trachtenberg acts it, it really sells it to me. I and really I liked just
2: on this episode. Like in it's general really like, every scene, she was very relatable yeah. and very sweet.
1: Yeah. She feels like a true little sister. They're doing a yeah. great job with her. Um so Joyce is like making
2: some eggs on the stove, turns around and says, Who are you? I don't know you and then collapse. And no! poor Dawn has to go and on- like 911 on her own, like the poor girl.
0: How traumatizing for a little kid to have to like witness their parent in such a vulnerable state, honestly.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. At such a young age. Also, the who are you thing, I mean, it could be just coincidence, but we had a whole episode that was like, who are you about body swapping and someone not being who they actually are. And I think that's kind of interesting that they have that in there. But also, I knew everything was too good to be true, not Joyce. Anybody but Joyce. I don't know if you guys remember the plate crumbling to the floor in Buffy's dream and surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: What did she say in that one? Oh, she says, Buffy, you really think you're ready for that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then the plate fell out of her hands. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um. So at the hospital, we have Buffy and Riley running in, Um. and then we l- – find out Uh, the doctor slash intern comes in, says that he's been like, kind of monitoring. Joyce says that everything's fine. She ended up collapsing and then we see Don take the stethoscope and hear everyone's heartbeat, to which we find out Riley's is abnormally really fast. Coked at chihuahua.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Literally. Um, and then we see that Riley was now being taken in um, and the doctor was like, I legally can't make you stay but I highly highly suggest you not leave and
0: he is like yeah well if you I'm leaving anyway and I Buffy so really is like, randomly rude and <laughs> the doctor's <laughs> just like hey this is just my protocol Rayleigh's like get out of my way <laughs> but also okay maybe I'm reading into this but like
2: Buffy was like really not trying to convince him that much in this scene I don't know. She's like, oh, maybe if
1: you died, then I would have more free time. Just kidding. That's awful to say. I don't really think that. But she – Well, I do think partially she does understand (laughs) that there's a level that
0: like it might be something supernatural going on. Like that was kind of how I read the scene was like maybe there's other stuff going on that the doctor can't figure out.
1: Maybe. I just – I don't know. I – The thing that really bothers me about this episode is we're dealing so much with poor Riley, poor Riley, and all this other stuff. And meanwhile, Buffy's literal mom is in the hospital, and Buffy's having to deal with the pressure of her mom's in the hospital. But oh my gosh, Riley is not staying in the hospital. So now that means Buffy has to go chase him around town instead of being with her mom and helping out with her little sister. Like, I just felt like, I don't know. Riley was, I know he was out of his mind. He's not thinking, like, correctly. But I just... Is is no one thinking about how much work Buffy's having to do to babysit Riley when she should be with her mom? It's (laughs) just no one is. After having to have sex for hours because Riley, you know, wanted to go again, she's probably exhausted. Poor he thing. He was just such a freaking liability to him. He really was a liability. He, yes. He's he is the enemy. He's the antagonist in this episode. He was you guys. just such
2: like an extra nuisance this episode. I, I, she's probably like, oh, and now I have to deal with this. Lovely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I I some of the criticisms from people was that Buffy was being really harsh this episode, like kind of uncharacteristically so. And I was like, guys, think about what's happening right now and her life also he's choosing not to get help like at the, at some yes. point i'd be like you're literally stupid for
2: not wanting to yes. get help she the doctor's literally like this could be deathly and it's like please stay like try basically like begging him but she can't legally have him stay and he's like no and then he goes missing i'd be embarrassed to be honest i'd be like <laughs> i have to go find my boyfriend man has and no shame like, and i
1: and then he i don't know I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little too harsh. I don't know. No, you're not because he was acting he was he was Pacey. He was being an idiot. Oh he Pacey, was, you blind idiot. Catsy, she she doesn't love you.
2: Well, I mean, I don't know Pacey's character. He seems like really nice. But like <laughs> like people really like Pacey, so I'm assume that he's great. But like Riley is just like she has like babysit him emotionally this episode when her mom literally like collapses, like she has like you know, go out and find Riley. Like it, I, yeah, It's just no. too much. It's, it's, it's too stupid. much. Absolutely stupid. So Joyce comes in and says, "I'm good. Sorry for scaring you. We should get out of here." Um, and we have like the girl gang at the house hanging out with Joyce, saying that she can't get up, she can't do anything. They're supposed to baby her, and this is if I were Joyce, this would be me. I'd be like, if I feel fine. I feel so freaking silly sitting here on the couch and everyone's like getting me stuff. But it's very sweet. that Everyone's like taking care of her.
1: Dawn is like, I like chicken fingers with mustard when I'm sick. And Joyce is like, I knew you do, sweetie. I'll make some later. <laughs> <laughs> i love that that's such a kid thing to do and buffy's like uh-huh. shooting daggers at her like stop trying to manipulate that's also mom that's such a making- mom
0: thing to be like all right when i feel better i'll bake it <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> we can be sick together
2: and joyce is so sweet she's like more concerned with riley than she is herself in this moment
1: and buffy's like i trust him he's not worried so i don't think we should be and i'm like buffy the doctor was literally like if i could force you to stay
2: i would um, and then upstairs we have Willow, Buffy, and Dawn talking about Riley. Um, and every single like comment that Dawn was making, I was like, oh my word, <laughs> this is so familiar. She's <laughs> like she's like zoning them out, but then taking like keywords of this thing and then finding some absurd like correlation and then feeling the need to just assert herself into the conversation was really funny
1: to me. Dawn is ADHD. She's like Guys, this one time, the CIA tried to kill Fidel Castro with a poisonous (laughs) aspirin. She's like, Dawn, please.
2: (laughs) And then she gives her some, like, really good, like, tangible advice. She's like, hey, like, if you think they're listening, talking about the initiative, she's like, then maybe say something important so that they'll hear you and they can help you. (laughs) Not until
1: Dawn whispers, sounds more like big sister.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then Buffy's like, that's a good idea. And then she leaves to go to Riley's apartment, holds up the phone, and just says Riley's in trouble. I feel like I'd go into massive detail just so that they would actually come rather than being like, Riley's in trouble. And they're like, yeah, right.
1: Yeah. What kind of trouble? Is he like under fire? Is he in trouble because exactly. he's about to foreclose on his apartment or his house? Like, like what kind of trouble are we talking about here? But she, maybe she's assuming they'll do research and figure it out. I don't know.
0: But I mean, honestly, with Riley, you never know. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised about any
1: of it, guys. So we have this sexy montage of Mark <laughs> so Lucas good. shirt, not shirtless, with a tank top in it's doing jeans. It's the jeans, jeans. for me. No,
0: in jeans, it's guys. the jeans, guys. It's giving me very much like um, <laughs> step up where he had to wear the jeans, <laughs> and like he's dancing, and everyone's like kind of looking at him because like why is he wearing jeans? But that's all he had. That's what it's <sighs> giving me. But like the Walmart version. <laughs> The Walmart version.
1: Yeah, Walmart version of Channing Tatum. That's for sure. I just think it's funny. I keep remembering the poster on the back of Riley's door. Balls. Riley likes (laughs) balls, guys. Just just balls. (laughs) Just balls. Yeah. Um, The song that's playing right now is called... Uh, Breathe by Nickelback. And the lyrics are essentially, if I was them, then I want to be what I see. If I could drag my life in a moment, want to know, do you want me to go? Going to keep it all from ending, never stop myself from pretending that you always knew that I never could. All I ever really wanted was to be the same. Equal treatment never ever comes. And there they go again. All I ever really wanted was to be like you. So perfect. So perfect so worthless. If I could take it all back, think again, I would. And now I found it, found it, I got it. I didn't want this. Basically like, would somebody help me breathe? Would somebody help me breathe? Would somebody help me? So- Just angst. It's angsty. It's Nickelback, but it's it's kind of like both metaphorically and literally perfect. Like the guy- like might have a heart attack and needs help breathing. But then also his heart is breaking right now, guys, because Buffy doesn't love him. Shocker, after he literally tried to coerce her into dating him back in doomed. He's like, well, you're stupid. Yeah, I, I I will be referencing that in a minute. Don't worry, guys. My soapbox is ready. You're stupid.
0: Please date me. You don't love me, but I'm obsessed with you. And you said you couldn't love anyone. I'm so confused. You said so many miss signals. <laughs> But you still dated me. Buffy has been very clearly communicating since the beginning that she doesn't even know if she's ready for a relationship, if she's mm-hmm. fully healed, if she's capable of love anymore. Yeah. And all he heard was, not a no.
1: <laughs> well, she said for no. Real. She says, Riley, my answer is no. And then he would, he chases her down the next scene and says, you're stupid. <laughs> she, he pulled he pulled uh, Mr. Collins from Pride and Prejudice.
2: Like, Elizabeth is literally being like, no, I won't marry you. And Pride and Prejudice, Mr. Collins is like, oh, so every woman always denies at first to to um continue the suspense. That's what that's what Riley's doing. He's like, no, this no is, is a girl's version of saying,
1: like, try harder. Yeah. Okay. Don't worry. I have this all ready to pull out. <laughs> Sarah's in a ready. I'm ready. I got receipts. I got notes. I got – y- uh, yeah. You know what? You know what? I'm happy to see Graham. I always liked Graham. Dude, why couldn't Graham have been the one that she dropped books on in The Freshman? Graham
2: is good people. I mean, he's nice, but I also feel like I'd feel the same thing if the characters were switched. Like, they're both kind of
1: just like, meh, but Graham is nice. Like, I don't mind him. In comparison to Forrest, Graham goes out of his way to say how impressed he is with Buffy and, like, always say nice things, or even now he tells he tells riley he gives all the credit to uh, buffy for finding riley and he talks about how strong and amazing she is i'm 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 a gram stan yeah he's really nice um but poor dude it brings this like squad to help like save riley's life and he's like mm, i'm gonna beat him up and leave <laughs> Riley's like, very convincing, makes me completely want to put myself under government control. Please take me to where you can make me unconscious and naked. Why? And and then Graham is like, whoa, dude, that's not what we were saying. Graham's like, correction, I am not going to do any of those things. (laughs) He's like, I don't know who
2: is doing some stuff on you, but I never got that. Graham's like, whoa, (laughs) naked?
1: Uh, Riley's PTSD from Maggie Walsh watching him have sexy time with Buffy. Oh gosh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Oh man. Okay. So in the school lounge we have Graham coming to Buffy to talk about Riley and says that it's some sort of hyper adrenal.
1: Ad- adrenal overload. I don't know how to yeah. say that. So what this means is when a human being faces danger or any other challenges, adrenaline pushes the body into action. And so it increases the heart rate and the muscle strength, and it decreases awareness of pain and the passage of time. So this is fine in small doses, but that's why like, you know- F- being in fight or flight for too long, it raises your cortisol levels and is really bad yeah. for you. So if it stays at high levels over a prolonged period of time, overworked and strained muscles can wear out. And Riley's, ha- he's been experiencing all these symptoms for weeks while in a normal resting state. So it, his heart is working on and overtime. So, and yeah, that's from all things philosophical. And I, I liked that because I was kind of like, what are they talking, like, what is wrong with Riley? They don't really say- yeah. Same. For the first time I watched this, I was really confused about what was yeah. going
0: on with Riley because I I feel like they kind of gloss over a lot of the mm-hmm. biological stuff that the initiative does to him.
1: Yeah. Because we're like, the chip is out of him, right? Like, what is this surgery? Like, for a long time, I thought I'm a
0: lab lab rat that that I've
2: just had all these like procedures on me. I'm like, my heart works differently than yours, Buffy. And he's like, that's why you can't
1: love me because my heart's different. Okay, (laughs) special boy. (laughs) (laughs) But, okay, so it's a, I say it's interesting in my notes, but I don't know if I actually mean that. (laughs) This is semi interesting after, you know, it being revealed that Riley. Does, isn't sure that Buffy loves him or doesn't think Buffy loves him. Are they trying to infer that at some point his heart is not going to be able to take Buffy not loving him as much as he loves her? Is that what the metaphorical is trying to say here? Because I think that's what if they're trying is, to If it is, it's
0: done really poorly. Yeah.
1: Then that seems to be the common complaint about this episode is that it's got some interesting character moments, but the plot is very contrived.
2: Yeah. Well, Graham kind of ends it with being like, hey, like we have a specialized doctor that could really help him. Like if you could bring him in, that'd be great. I'll look for him as well. But um, if you can get your team to look for him as well. Um, And then I feel like I was like, Buffy, you don't have to be so mean in this (laughs) moment. She's like, if you tell me to, like, look faster or whatever, I'll kick your ass. I'm like,
1: okay, Grandma's being nice here. Like, you just got beat up. <laughs> okay. Buffy is, like, angry at everybody in this episode, but like we said yeah. before, because the next scene is literally sad boy Riley going and walking to the <laughs> caves where literally no one's going to think to look for him. And you're just like, and meanwhile, she should be home with her mother, helping her mother rest. Like, is her mom having to watch Dawn? Too? Like, I just...
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I understand 100% Selfish. where she's coming for... coming from, and I just... I think she's totally valid for being angry. Like, sh- she shouldn't be taking it out on everybody, but I get it. I know why.
2: Well, and then having, like, like as much as I love Dawn, she is kind of a nuisance too. So she's probably thinking, like, oh my gosh, I have to leave, like, Dawn right. and my mom. And then she feels guilty that Willow's also there helping watch Joyce. Like, and then her freaking boyfriend's pulling a 14-year-old angst day and is, yeah. like, running away when he literally could drop dead at any moment. I'd be so irritated.
1: Yeah. No, it's stupid, and he's specifically going somewhere where they're really going to have to search to find him. It's dumb.
2: Exactly, because even she had to, like, really think about where these initiative caves would be, um, even though we've literally, like, seen it in, like, one episode. Um,
1: Is okay. I just had a really morbid thought, you guys. Is Forrest's body still there? Oh, wait. No, no, he's not, because he exploded later on. I was thinking he was back in the caves. Never mind. No, they blew it up. They blew it up. He's gone. I was like, with, he's like, walks Mama by Maggie. forest. Yeah. Oh gosh. Why is this about the
2: initiative again? I thought we were done. <laughs> it's okay, guys. This is. Is this the last time? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> there's one more, I will say. Mm-hmm. But that one is the last one. So I think there's two more, but yeah well, there is
1: not. Uh, Just getting into, into the woods in season six. Oh no! Ow, oh, I we switched thinking-
2: them. We switched them. Yeah, but I was th- thinking into the woods. Yeah. and then, Yeah, into as the you woods first, and then as you were ugh. Uh, in the magic shop, we have the gang together again, and Buffy saying that she can't find Riley. She tells Willow and Tara to go back to the high school. I love whenever we go back to the high school, even though it's like looking disgusting and crusty. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we have this like funny conversation where like Sanders trying to like be there for Riley. And he's like, um, I know a friend who. Um, Thinks maybe his girlfriend doesn't like him, so maybe he's acting out and being a jerk. Um, and maybe Riley reminds me of that friend.
1: <laughs> that okay? So, I think that is the sweetest thing because Xander's like, this isn't yeah. my information to tell, but I'm trying to be helpful. And you know what, and growth. And he's recognizing that what Riley is doing is like not okay. He calls him like acting like a jerk. Um, but on a literal level. Like, I know why they have shown Riley and Xander to have a connection, but on a meta level, we have to remember that Xander represents Buffy's heart. So Riley telling Xander in the last episode that Buffy doesn't love him is supposed to show Riley appealing to Buffy's heart, which I thought was interesting. Um, But on, like, in this episode, I think it's cute that Anya thinks that he's talking about himself. (laughs) Everyone's so confused. And Anya's like, "Um,
2: well, my friend... really does care for um your friend.
1: No, you know she just I mean. says I care about you, Gander. Like cut straight through. I feel like
0: my favorite version of Anya is right now. Like Yeah. I mean, like obviously I'm I'm not including future because it's like, you know, spoilers and all that, but I'm saying up until now, I feel like Anya is the best version that we've seen her. She's inter she's entertaining. She feels a little bit more fleshed out. Like she's getting more screen time. Like I just am genuinely enjoying her
1: as a character right now. Well, I think after the last episode where we actually had a little bit of like depth to her, like we're, we're getting to kind of see a little bit of like what makes Anya tick. And I think that Anya and Xander are kind of in a healthy place right now. Like they've just worked through something. Um, Yeah. This moment right here where Buffy's like, Oh, you know what else might be homie in a sort of dark, unpleasant, mostly evil way, the initiative caves. Um, and, I talked about how this episode has some really interesting correlations with Doomed. And the last time we saw the high school was Doomed when they went and they like like went over. That's a really awful episode that we all hate. Um, but we have, you know, Willow and Tara there again. And we have Riley going back to what is familiar to him, which is the Initiative Caves. Um, and there's a significance there. I'll talk about it in the scene with Riley and Buffy. But I just think it's very interesting that they're – they're being very obvious with their callbacks to that episode for a reason. It feels like every
2: time Buffy and Riley are talking, it's some sort of, like, reminder that this is just not going to work out. Yeah. The first episode they got together was literally called Doomed. Yep. And they aired up everything that will be an issue in, their, in the entirety of their relationship.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's crazy because it's, like, usually some breakups are subtle and they don't start to get, like, you know – big until we get there. But I feel like... I don't even feel like this is spoiling stuff at this point that they're not going to always last because it's like... So obvious. It's been obvious since the beginning that Riley's not the one. Like They've not been subtle. And that's not even... Yeah. I mean, it's just obvious. It's always been obvious.
1: And then talking about the parallels between Spike and Riley, like you have this whole conversation that could actually... Like it's about Spike, but it could actually stand in for Riley too. You know, Buffy says, oh, I so don't want to deal with Spike right now. Guy's really starting to bug me in that special, I'd like to shove something wooden through his heart kind of way. I think that Riley's also starting to bug Buffy a little bit. Um, and then Willow says he does seem a little extra twitchy lately. I think the not killing is getting to him. And I think obviously Riley isn't twitchy because he's not killing, but Riley's twitchy because he's not doing what he was made to do. He, he doesn't have a purpose. And the same thing with Spike. Um, so I like these like little metaphors or these, I like these little parallels between the two characters here. I feel like they've used
2: Spike as a, foil for like every character of the past season. I feel like he's been used to kind of like reflect different characteristics in a lot of different people.
1: Not really. They've been very consistent with Riley since the initiative. Sorry, I meant Spike. I meant to say Spike, not Riley. Oh, you think Spike has reflected everybody? What do you mean? How so? Like I feel like – um <laughs> with I mean there I don't I don't remember which episode,
2: but there was like an episode where we like him and Xander were kind of like mirroring each other, um, him and Buffy quite a few times. Um, even him and Giles in season four, like, I just feel like season four he was kind of like a comic relief, but he didn't really have like a a like spike cemented role. And I feel like season five he feels like there's there's some sort of direction that they're leading with him for the first time yeah. since season two.
1: Right. Yeah. I I don't really think he reflected anybody. It's been very clear about Riley, but I think there have been times where like he was paired up with somebody and he was supposed to bring something out of somebody and it wasn't necessarily he was going to be like, well, I mean, okay, let's think about, oh, I didn't even realize this. That That's the other reason why they're pointing back to Doomed, you guys. Do you remember what happened in Doomed? Did he get his chip? No, that's the episode that Spike realized he could kill demons and he was trying to commit suicide. Oh yeah. So right. they're making those parallels with him and Riley cuz Spike was feeling purposeless. Yeah, well then now he's trying to get the chip out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. Who would have thought such a stupid episode would be like <laughs> like highlighted so much. That's crazy. Um, so we see in the crypt
2: Harmony <laughs> and Spike playing 20 questions. Uh, is well, it the like, salting bread box? It made me laugh though because Harmony's like, oh, somebody's blondie bear is really
0: good with 20 questions. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. She's so funny. I love Harmony. I feel like she just has such a her and Spike's dynamic is just so good. Like you can just tell he's always kind of pissed off with her. But then he's also like, well, i got no one else. And Harmony is just happy to be there. And like, it's
1: just so funny. <laughs> I love it when she was like, oh, my God. Like Tabby was saying, somebody's blondie bears a 20 questions genius. And then you hear bang, bang, bang. And she goes like, without missing a beat. She's like, she's found me. And then she just goes and like jumps into the open coffin.
2: This girl is just the definition of Delulu. Like she just thinks that like her and Spike are like, Gonna be forever villains together, and then also is like convinced that like pissing off Buffy for one episode really makes Buffy like think that she's worthy
1: to be her like arch nemesis. <laughs> you know what? I will live in Harmony's delusion because I think Harmony would make a great big bad. She, she I just has. Wanted,
2: it would be so much cooler if they like really kind of like start off this way, and then started seeing her like be really not taken seriously, and then see her crack. That would have been cool, but. Yeah. You could tell they're not doing that with her and they're not going to. Just by the way that like they're kind of painting her as being a little bit delusional compared to everyone yeah. around her. But and then I love how Buffy's like trying to get in, but every single time she walks in, it's always unlocked and yet this is the time she's like <laughs> struggling to get it open. <laughs> She's like, "Hey, I'll give you some money if you help find Riley and bring him to the hospital." And then he's like, "Well, if you're smart, you'll give me half now." And she rips it in half and shoves it. I was like, "Not Ooh. before she slaps him, though."
0: And Spike was like, "Oh, I'm in love." <laughs> she loves slapped me. into submission. Honestly, though, so I-, I love how she just was like, "Okay, I'll give you half."
1: Yeah, and like, just like tears it in half. Sticks it to him. I was like, "Yeah, yeah she's over it."
2: This episode. Yeah. Our girly is like, guys, get your crap
1: together because I am exhausted. She's like, my life is going fine and I'm having to deviate from slaying and studying history to help a bunch of guys get their lives together. Yep. Gosh. Um, so the hospital, we
2: see Graham come and see if Riley came, um, talking to the doctor, seeing if Riley showed up. And then Harmony and Spike come in and knock him out. Poor dude. And then in the Gramps caves, never catch a break. <laughs> poor Buffy is having to search for her annoying, angsty boyfriend. <laughs> um, and then we see that Spike and Harmony took the doctor to like a what they called a like school with a laboratory in it, um, so that they're not around everyone else in the hospital. The doc says he's never done the surgery before, says that he doesn't have the proper equipment for it. And then uh, Spike's like, I don't care. You're going to get the chip out of me.
1: Okay, this this is what I mean when I say the plot is contrived. So he's a vampire with healing powers, and he can only be killed with fire, stake, and decapitation. So then all this guy has to do is just yank it out of his head, and any neurons or whatever he damages will just heal up instantaneously. I was so why say is the same this thing. so how, complicated? How
2: can he be like a vegetable? Like I don't understand that part.
0: Well, I think it's more of like the doctor is going based on normal human anatomy mm. and Spike doesn't know anything about vampire like like uh, surgery. So I think that Spike is just kind of not really thinking about it logically and the doctor yeah. is just not – Maybe they're
1: erring like, on the side of caution then, you know? Yeah.
0: That would be my guess.
1: Because honestly, I think Spike could just have Harmony like hack it out of his head and his head would just heal and he'd be fine, you know? So yeah. anyway, I just felt like this was contrived, but it is what it is. He
2: pulls a mayor. Yeah. It's like exactly. split halfway through the head and then just grows back. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then Buffy finds <laughs> Riley punching walls.
1: Oh, man. They're not emotional, right, guys? No, of course not. Why this would you be This isn't emotional. Bad? This is just so much adrenaline going through their, their bodies. Men don't feel This is emotions. righteous anger. Oh, oh, righteous <laughs> anger. Well then. All right, guys. Can I pull up my soapbox now? Yes. It's, go for it's it, It's getting kind of dusty. All right. <laughs> she says it's like every single episode I have like a soapbox. <laughs> so be starting out positively, this is a realistic portrayal of someone that is not sure where to go and who to trust after coming out of a cult-like situation. Like He's sitting there. He's like, I don't want to go back because I'm afraid of who I'm going to become. And yet he also is like, but I'm also not happy with who I am right now. Like – I I kind of relate with that. I understand that. I do feel like you said at the beginning, Tabs, like this is another layer to what Riley struggled with in season four. And I can appreciate that. The problem is here. Okay. So Riley says, what's wrong with me? I'm more powerful than I've ever been, Buffy. Most people would kill to feel this way. Buffy says, your body wasn't built for this kind of stress. He says, I can handle it. This is my deal. Buffy, just back off. And then she's like, what is this? Like there's something deeper that's clearly going on here. and. He talks about how he doesn't want to be normal. And she says, that's not enough for you. And he's like, that's not enough for you. And while I agree with Riley that Buffy doesn't love him at least as much as he loves her, he's also assuming. He's never flat out asked her. He's never had a conversation with her. He's never asked her and just said, hey, like, Buffy, where are we at? Like, what are you feeling for me? And all that stuff. This is all based off of a feeling and an assumption. And it's kind of frustrating because we saw in like The Yoko Factor and in other episodes that Riley struggles with trusting Buffy. We saw it in Buffy versus Dracula too. And this feels like another instance where he doesn't trust like his heart with her. And yes, I agree. I don't think Buffy likes him or loves him as much as he does, but they also haven't talked about it. Um, And what he decides to bring up as an example of why he's not enough for her is Angel And he's brought up Angel and Dracula. He keeps bringing it up, but then he keeps saying, oh, no, it's not about Angel or Dracula. But he's the one that keeps comparing himself to them. Buffy never does. And I feel like that's so unfair. Also, Buffy being powerful doesn't take away from Riley and who he is. And so I'm like, Riley, your insecurity is showing. And guess what? It's going to keep pushing Buffy further and further away. It's just it's very frustrating. Agreed. When he brought up Angel, I was like, be for real. Yeah. And he brought up Dracula too. Like he's had Dracula kind of as an, a stand-in for Angels, either Buffy or it's either Angel or Dracula and it's getting mm-hmm. really old because Buffy keeps saying, dude, it doesn't mean anything to me that's in the past and Riley keeps bringing it up. But also I want to point out too how hard this whole conversation is for Buffy and this is really hard for her to hear and, and we tend to forget this because Buffy, Buffy doesn't often point out her own pain and her own trauma. She rarely actually gives people an insight verbally at least of what's going on with her. She, We see it like through her crying or like small like micro expressions, but let's remember that Buffy is wrestling with what exactly her power is on top of her deepest fear, which is that people will leave her on her own because of that power. So this conversation with Riley is one of her deepest fears coming to fruition because she's thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know the extent of my power and what all it entails. And that seems to be the thing that's driving Riley away, even though she's like, I'm giving him all of me. Um, And she also struggles with like, Everybody leaving her alone because of her power. And so she's putting all of this aside to help Riley and be open and vulnerable with him. And I want to commend Buffy for that because like this is taking a lot of strength to do. And then I also want to point out that like Riley's belief that a normal guy is not enough for Buffy is a sharp contrast to Angel's point of view when he broke up with Buffy in the prom. He told her that she deserved to be with someone normal, to be with someone in the light. And Riley's over here going, no, you deserve or you like you deserve to be with someone who's amped up who's powerful mm-hmm. who's supernatural and stuff and I think that's really interesting to have that contrast right there
2: it was for buffy is like better quality of life If Angel wasn't there, you know, it was like selfishly done. It was actually selflessly done, you know?
1: Right. And Buffy's saying, nobody's ever known me the way you do, Riley. Nobody. I've opened myself up to you in a way that, God, you're just sitting back there thinking it doesn't mean anything to me. And I believe her. I believe her because while I will always believe that Angel is her soulmate, Riley knows her on a different level simply because they're both human and she's been able to open herself up to him in that A different way. type of way, yeah. Yes, they've been able to live life more fully together. You know what's so crazy
0: is that I feel like if Riley just stopped moping and whining all the time and just started being there, that honestly I feel like him and Buffy would have a lot different of a relationship. Like, because I don't... I'm not of the opinion that if Buffy and Riley were together for longer, that Buffy would never love him. I think it's just like, when you push someone to have this care about you that they don't have at that time, it pushes them even further. Yeah. And I I think that's honestly what happens a lot with, with Riley, is that Buffy wasn't in a place to love him But he kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And so it just kind of – the idea of ever loving him was just kind of something that had so much pressure on Mm. it that it just kind of was never even feasible anymore.
1: Well, and he keeps invalidating the actual feelings that she does have by saying, well, it's not enough or you don't like this. It's like, okay, well, give her time. You don't both have to suddenly come and love each other at the exact same time. Also, they've only been dating for eight months now apparently. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer. What? Yeah, that's what Buffy says. She says, do you think I've spent the last eight months with you because you've got superpowers? That's not very long. Eight months
0: is so short for people to say I love you. Some people don't even
1: say I love you until they reach a year or more. Exactly. So I I think he's pressuring her a lot. And I I think that to constantly dismiss Buffy's feelings and say that like, oh my gosh, Riley isn't enough for her – Without actually saying, hey, Buffy, what are you thinking is is so – it's just frustrating. Yeah.
2: I feel like he's bulldozing over how she actually feels in this moment because he's just projecting what he's convinced himself that she's feeling in the relationship.
1: All right. So the last thing is, let's take a little trip down memory lane, shall we, guys? And I know we kind of already talked about this earlier with Doomed. Um, Let's go all the way back to the very beginning of their relationship in Doomed, an aptly fit title. Um, So that episode was all about going to the past, and we talked about how it included the high school. Buffy didn't want to be with Riley in the first place, and Riley dismisses her feelings and her reasons, and just assumes it's because of her fear of the future repeating the past. And while this is what the show is trying to communicate Buffy is feeling, what both Riley and the show dismiss is that Buffy's feelings are actually spot on, (laughs) as they usually are, and completely valid. Buffy is normally right in these situations to begin with, but in this case, she has a legit reason to balk at a relationship with someone who is in a similar line of work. So in Doomed... Riley says, Buffy, I'm thrown by this. I'm confused. We have that awful, I can feel my skin humming, blah, blah, blah. Uh, by God, I'm not going to walk away because I think it might not work. I don't know what happened in the past. And the Buffy says, death, pain, apocalypse, none of them fun. Do you know what the hell math is? Do they have a fancy term for it? She says, You know, we don't have that much in common. This is a job to you. And he says, It's not just a job. She says, It's an adventure. Great. But for me, it's destiny. It's something I can't escape, something I can't change. And we talked about this in the replacement about how Riley still does not understand that this is Buffy's destiny. He doesn't, he fundamentally does not understand who Buffy is and what the role of a slayer is. We have that whole conversation with Kendra and What's My Line part two, in which Kendra says, it's not a job. It's who you are. And in the last episode in The Replacement, Riley says, I get that the Slayer is a part of you. It's not a part of Buffy. It is all of who she is. It's not just one half. It permeates every aspect of her life. Um, and so then Riley in Doomed goes, you don't have to be stuck in the past. You're not in high school anymore. You can change things. The irony of this is that he's talking about not being stuck in your past yet. And out of my mind, where does he go, you guys? the caves, the one place the initiative still actually is standing because they destroyed the actual initiative underground. So he literally goes back to his past, to the caves. And then later on, we have the infamous, you're stupid line showing how Riley fundamentally doesn't understand Buffy's fears because he fundamentally doesn't understand who a slayer is and what her function is. He talks about her being too afraid to try and Riley's doing the same thing in the caves. He's afraid to get seen by the doctor and he's afraid to continue on and love Buffy because he thinks they have no chance, even though Buffy is literally telling him that she is giving him everything. And in contrast, we have in doomed. Riley's saying, you're stupid. I'm serious. You've got this twisted way of looking at things, this doom and gloom mentality. You keep thinking like that, things are probably going to turn out just the way you expect. Where's the bad here? It just turns out we're even more well-matched than we thought we were. And then he talks about you know, how they have a similar profession and stuff. And she continues to say, you are an amateur fry cook. You don't know how to do the same job that I do. and then it, she says, like, this isn't the kind of gig where at the end of the day you go and snuggle with your honey. And he's like, why can't it be? And she goes, because things fall apart and I get sucked right back into the uber evil. I'm the one who has to deal with things when they fall apart. And what is she doing right here in this episode? Having to deal with Riley's crap yet again. Um, and he, <laughs> Riley says in Doomed... In response to all that, dismisses it all again and says, welcome to the story of the world. Things fall apart, Buffy. Evil. It comes and goes. But the way people manage it is they don't do it alone as the man runs away to the caves to go punch a wall by himself. He says they pull each other through and sometimes they even enjoy themselves. If you weren't too self-involved, you'd see that. Hmm. Yes. So... Again, going back to their conversation in the car and the replacement and Riley saying he has to have all the crazy wild parts of Buffy, I wonder sometimes, and I think what this episode is trying to say is Riley's looking for something in Buffy that he really needs to fulfill and find in himself. And I think Graham hints at that at the end of this episode. Riley needs to find his purpose, the crazy, the adventure, whatever it is that fulfills him that's not it isn't predicated on someone else. He sees that in Buffy and is attracted to it, but I think he's making her life his. And it's not enough because her life is not his life. And I think that's what this episode is trying to tell us. Um, But it's crazy once you match up the dialogue from Doomed to this episode and see how Riley is being hypocritical and doing the exact same thing. And he's still not listening to Buffy in this episode, just like he didn't listen to her in Doomed. And it just, it's infuriating, honestly. Yep. And yet nothing has changed. No. And at the very end, him saying, loving you is the scariest thing I've ever done. Paralleling that with Doomed, he says, I know that it's not just a job thing. I'm sure there's some good looking guy that's done you wrong in there too. But mostly I think you want to stay down in the dark place because maybe it's safer down there. Riley wants to stay down in the dark place right now. It's safer than having to put himself out there and love Buffy. But also, it's like, dude, if you – like, just leave. (laughs) If you're not happy, stop trying to convince her to
0: be in a relationship with you. Like, my God, it's so much work.
1: Stop making it her problem. It's a you
0: problem. At a certain point, this is something where it's like, it's hard to do, but it's like at a certain point, you've got to realize, like, some people – and it's not their fault, but some people cannot love you the way that you Mm -hmm. need to be loved. Yes people love in different ways it's same thing with like certain love languages where it's like some people need words of affirmation and some people it's really hard for words of affirmation that's not how they love and sometimes you can't made a middle ground that doesn't make people a villain or anything but what does is when you are constantly faulting the other person for not being able to love you in a way that you need like At some point, you just got to – you need to leave. Mm -hmm. Like, you need to stand up for yourself and be like, you know what? I love you and I know that you care about me, but
1: we just don't work. I understand what they're trying to do with Riley. And I think it could be really interesting and it could be really well done by them throwing in the constant references to Dracula and Angel. And by him, like, making it Buffy's problem, it's putting a bad taste in my mouth. And it could be – it would be a lot more sympathetic if we're over here watching Riley do his absolute best and not blaming Buffy. Like, I'd have a lot more sympathy for him. But by him just playing the victim this entire time, it just – it makes it really hard to sympathize with him even though I know, like, this is not really his fault, you know? Uh, I'm just so tired of having these conversations about their relationship. (laughs) The last couple of episodes have just been all about Buffy and Riley and I'm like, are we done yet? Uh (laughs)
0: That's what I mean when I say this episode feels like a repeat yeah. of everything else. Like, and it's not a bad episode, but it's like I don't feel like I necessarily learned anything new
1: in this episode, which is annoying. I think we like. I think we kind of thought that it was this, but by having him say, "I don't feel like I'm enough for you," we're all like, "Okay, yes." I think we've known this for a couple episodes it. now. Yeah. yeah. So back at the school lab, we have
2: the doctor still working on Spike. Harmony's chatting his ear off. Um, Both are getting really annoyed at her. Buffy and Riley find Graham on the floor and he tells them that Spike was here or that Hostel 17 because he's like, how many fingers am I holding up? He's like, 17. I was like, oh, no, he got hit pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) And then Buffy puts two and two together about the chip. Um, and then Riley is apparently feeling very winded and weird now, um, but says he's fine. Classic. And then Graham says, "Ryler, Ryler, hello. Let me say that again.
1: Riley. <laughs> Riley, how you doing there, Riley? <laughs> oh, 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 Riley. Riley's from Texas now. Ryler, <laughs> I like to play bla- basketball in my jeans." yo in texas in the heat yeah no thank you
2: and then riley apologizes to graham he should have been groveling he punched this man out and then poor graham got knocked out twice in one episode
1: yeah graham's like forget it apologize later if you're not dead i literally wrote my notes can graham date buffy (laughs) vote for graham dating buffy (laughs) anyone who was actually a normal man because Riley isn't. <laughs> oh, yeah. Apparently his heart works like different from everybody else's, guys. He's scared to be a to be, uh, Joe Normal. Didn't we Didn't we go through this entire thing with Xander? Wasn't that the whole point yeah. of the Zeppo? I think we've done this before. I'm so tired of basic white boys being like, uh, I don't want to be normal. <laughs> well, guess what? <laughs> you are. Get over it. <laughs> know your place, Riley. Know your place, Xander. I'm sick of did. it.
2: Um, and then in this school lab, we have harmony still chatting up the doctor the doctor is getting super frustrated frustrated am i good oh
0: i (laughs) can't
1: adding r's in your words
2: (laughs) my words are not wording today it's okay you're doing good Uh, she says that she can see the chip sandwiched in between all of the
1: brain muscles that's disgusting I um, thought it was really interesting that Harmony says that um, – she's like, I heard that a man's brain is his actual sex organ or something like that, which was really <laughs> interesting because – I know it's a stupid throwaway line. But it's interesting because we have the whole reveal at the very end with Spike thinking that he loves Buffy and then the conflation of in sex and violence. And yes, in his and brain. And he made it up, yeah. And he's thinking with a sex organ. hmm yeah. yeah. Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> Him and Ryler. (laughs) Ryler. (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
2: Um, The doc says that the chip is out and then he stitches up Spike like extremely fast, apparently. Um, And then there's like no scar
0: afterwards. He didn't shave his head or anything.
1: Yeah, his hair is perfectly fine.
0: I thought about that, too.
1: I was like, where was the chip? Like, ugh, he just how he get it just opened out. a little hatch and then pulled it back down. Yeah, clearly. Didn't lose a you single hair. What a fantastic should... doctor.
2: Or he's a vampire. It grows back really fast. You know, neither here or there. Harmony
1: refusing to put out her cigarette until she sees the sign on the wall killed me. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's like, like oh my God, I'm so I'm sorry. I'm so
2: sorry. I didn't see the sign. And then Buffy and Riley come barging in. And then Spike says he's cured, have this whole, like, dramatic effect moment to which we find out a
1: second later that he can't bite Buffy. That poor doctor, Buffy, like, grabs him and throws him down. He's like, we're going to need you. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I'm having he's like, the worst I day.
0: I could turn him a cow. Can I go home?
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're excused. Thank you. <laughs> I... I want to believe that the only reason Spike got that close to Buffy was because Buffy was distracted by Riley and his predicament and situation. But honestly, that shouldn't have happened. That was way too easy for Spike to get that close to Buffy's neck.
2: Yeah, I don't know. He completely knocks her over and doesn't get like a headache. So I don't understand.
1: Yeah, clearly he was intending to hurt her, okay? You can't tell me he was like, oh he body I didn't slams mean to her bad. <laughs> he was like, oh my bad. I only meant to suck you dry. That's all.
2: Um, And then Harmony accidentally shoots a crossbow at Riley's leg. I was like, oh, rough. But
1: apparently, guys, you can't feel it right now. It's just
2: chaos everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. And then Riley falls over because of his heart and then Harmony and Spike split.
1: Harmony's like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it.
2: And then Spike is like, angry af in the graveyard says he's haunted by (laughs) buffy can't get her out of his head this
1: is spikes punching the wall moment apparently (laughs) guys the headstone the gravestone that he rips from the earth do you know what it says no i didn't read it what did it say mama
2: (laughs)
0: oh
1: mommy yes mommy issues with riley and maggie and stuff and then like you know i was just joking from adam but yeah you're so right yes and then i mean like you know possibly there's more uh mommy issues with spike they're making the correlations between the two of them
2: and and
1: then this whole scene is just like again it's the whole idea of like Buffy is breaking Riley's heart and Buffy can't get out of Spike's brain. The idea of the chip in the head and the chip in the heart. Buffy has become everybody's chip. <laughs> and this
2: part was sweet too. I feel like Buffy was like, hey, how are you doing in there pointing to Riley's heart and then puts her head on his heart. And out of all the crap that we kind of give like Riley's character or whatever, but Mark Lucas like his acting in the scene when she like walks away and then he just looks like even though she's trying to give him like reassurance, he looks genuinely like being like, I know this isn't going to last. Like his face in that moment was like, I, even though she's given me all that she feels like mm-hmm. she can, like this isn't enough and I know that. And I know this is like, there's a clock ticking on our relationship and his little hand of being like – because the whole point is like him feeling like he can't touch her emotionally, spiritually, like everything. And then his Mm -hmm. little hand like kind of moving after she leaves is Mm -hmm. like being like, okay, like I just had you physically, but I don't have you.
1: You're leaving again. Yeah. Yeah. Even though for completely valid and normal reasons. But him saying – that his heart is back to normal is metaphorical because they're trying to show that like, you know how he says, Oh my heart works differently and stuff like that. He's been powering through with this relationship with Buffy, knowing it's not going to work. And because of it, it's been putting a stress and a strainer on it. But now that his heart is back to normal, I think he realizes that like the end is near.
2: So Buffy leaves to check on Joyce again. um, And then Graham and Riley are talking um, about him not belonging in Sunnydale um, to which Riley's trying to like I mean albeit not trying super hard to convince Graham that he's <laughs> supposed to be there but um, try to convince himself that he is like no I have Buffy here and then Graham is like hey like you used to have a mission like now you're mm-hmm. just dating the mission which little uncalled for but the first part I agree with like he did have a purpose in the whole life outside of Buffy and what I have noticed about their relationship is that In the relationship with Buffy and Riley, Buffy has so many external factors that is driving her life. It's not just Riley. Riley's whole world is only Buffy. Mm -hmm. Have we seen him do anything else other than just follow Buffy around? Like, I wouldn't, that's such an ick. I'm sorry, but like, if I'm dating somebody and they have no friends, they have no drive outside of our relationship. They're not really doing much. Like, that would be so unattractive to me. Like, and I think that Buffy isn't really noticing it much because she has all those external factors. But, like, in essence, this relationship is just not going to end up working out.
1: Yeah. She's everything. and He's just Ken. <laughs> yeah. He's just right. No, literally. The frustrating thing is <laughs> the writers literally wrote him this way. He is nothing but Buffy's boyfriend. And they have – they're now making that a character flaw that then is – they're making it the character flaw that is driving the wedge between him and Buffy, which is so ironic. If the writers had given him more and given him more of an identity, then we wouldn't have this problem. But now I'm wondering if the writers – okay. So I want to believe this was intentional, that the writers were like, well, we're specifically going to make him so bland and boring and blah, so that when this moment came around, when it was like, oh my gosh, he has nothing else in his life, we can be like, ha ha, it was intentional. It was purposeful. But I really think the writers didn't know how to write him. They got to season five and they're like, okay, what can we use to get this character out of here? And they're like, well, we're just going to make it that he has, he's completely lost himself in Buffy because there's nothing else to use. Um, And here's the thing, guys. While I do believe Riley is insecure, I believe his issues are more complex than that, even if he himself is written poorly. I think he wants to be his own person. I mean, we see that in him trying to escape the initiative, and he's realizing that he's lost himself to Buffy. And I think he loves her desperately, but he's miserable, and he doesn't want to lose her. And I think that is really compelling stuff. The problem is we just don't care about Riley. So we're like, okay, sorry, like sucks for you, but move on with your life because you're bogging down the show. Like, this storyline would be interesting if it just wasn't Buffy and Riley. Yeah. Yeah. Because, <laughs> again, this is an interesting concept, but Riley is such a boring character.
0: Yeah. I just, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And he it just takes up so
2: much screen time, bro. And then we end with the cinematic passions core <laughs> scene. Where it just gags everyone whenever they watch it. I feel like it becomes a lot more obvious the last, like, 30 seconds before he wakes up because then it's, like, him be like, oh, I love you, Buffy, when they're, like, making out. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, this isn't real. But, like, when she walks in and then he, like – I don't know. It's just funny. Rips the shirt off? off. Yeah. (laughs) It's giving um, Edward – Yes, it is. He's like, look at the monster I <laughs> it's am. It's very dramatic. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: He's like, I'm. This is the face of a killer, Bella.
2: And then he wakes up, and you're like, oh, thank goodness that makes way more sense
1: although i gotta say uh they have way more chemistry than buffy and riley ever did it was i was like okay i'm digging that something actually is happening on screen (laughs) and like you know the sparks are flying the chemistry is really great buffy has more chemistry
0: with giles than riley like no one they don't have chemistry
1: they just don't yeah um this scene so when this episode was first going to be aired, this scene was teased as if there was going to be a full sex scene between Buffy and Spike. And I don't know if they actually shot it or not, but there is, it was written somewhat. I don't think it was a full sex scene, but it was written in the script. And there are actually like behind the scenes pictures that imply that that was more than just this. And I don't know how much they shot, but obviously it all didn't make it up into the episode. But it was supposed to be, Buffy saying like I want you Spike I think she says that in the episode and then uh she claws at his bare chest scratching him with her nails I did write okay so the panting and moaning is awful and black <laughs> I was like it's like giving angel and Buffy um and then he says slayer and then she pushes him hard knocking him to the ground straddles him grinding against him and then, then he was supposed to pull her arms out from under her so she falls on his chest. And then he says, oh, Buffy, Buffy, I love you. God, I love you so much. And then it was supposed to have him wake up. So it was supposed to be a little bit more intense. Um, I'm but glad it
0: wasn't. I don't feel yeah. like we
1: needed all that. No. I think we get it. It's just fine. Um, but not him waking up next to poor sleeping Harmony. No Harmony. You might be – watching this episode and watching this moment be like, oh my gosh, this is completely out of character for Spike. Where did this come from? This feels like this is just like, you know, jarringly out of place. And it's not. I feel like since the beginning of the show, Spike has continually confused sex And violence, his love's bitch speech and lover's walk, his sexual innuendos in school hard and the possible tie-ins to Buffy's period, his desire for her, as well as how he treated Drew with equal parts tenderness but then also violence when he wants her to come back to him. I I think this is completely on brand for him. All Things Philosophical says – uh, Spike has both an attraction to and a desire to conquer strong and beautiful women. We know he's killed at least two slayers, and Spike has long been obsessed with the mere idea of the slayer. How long might Spike have stalked the slayers that he killed before? He is a dual-natured creature, at once both man and demon, and like Angelus, he can't always separate those desires from each other. But in the past, the desire to kill was predominant in the pragmatic Spike. Now the chip prevents him from killing her and his sexual desire and ability to despise. Like tender feelings have come to the forefront. And again, this goes back to Doomed. Remember how desperate he was and how he was ready to die because he couldn't attack anyone and he found a loophole, which is he could attack demons. In this episode, he's frustrated so much by the fact that he can't kill Buffy that now he's twisting it around and is like, oh now his feelings for her have come to the forefront because he can't kill her so now there's going to be this war between his feelings of love i say in quotations it's mostly lust and his desire to kill her because to him they are two sides of the same coin so all right guys that's it hopefully we are done with the initiative baby uh,
2: please I feel like let I, it die. i I'm a, a war veteran after this episode <laughs>
1: I know. Why was this so hard to get through? That's okay. The next episode is one of my favorites of this season. Love
2: the next episode.
1: No place like home. The next three are really, really great. Yeah, I'm so excited. So, so excited. So, all right, listeners, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope you guys were able to get something of merit out of this. Uh, What were your guys' thoughts when you first saw Buffy and Spike making out for the first time? Did you think it was real? Did you know it was a dream sequence? What are your thoughts on Riley and Buffy? Do you guys think that Riley is a sympathetic character? Do you understand kind of what the show is trying to do with him? Um, Let us know. We hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, let us know your thoughts. We would love to hear from you. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Tumblr at Becoming Buffy Podcast. And you can email us at becomingbuffypodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support us or hear our spoiler section for each of these episodes, plus a few other perks, you can join our Buy Me A Coffee membership at buymeacoffee.com becoming Buffy. Special shout out and thank you to our producers, Kashan, CJ, Paul, Chrissy, and Kate. Thank you to our listeners, and we will talk to you all next time.